1: My family has a hunting cabin in the Allegheny National Forest of Pennsylvania. My grandpa, who worked in a steel mill in Pittsburgh, bought the land in the 70s whenever the real estate agents used to go into the mills and post ads for huge plots of lands that the steelworkers would break up and all get their own plots for dirt cheap, then help each other build their camps. Allegedly, there was a gravesite found on the property that my grandpa bought. The details aren't exactly clear how this was discovered, but apparently some type of survey was done before the property was sold, and archaeologists from the University of Pittsburgh uncovered a very old Native American grave. They excavated the grave, but the pit, by that point now just a depression in the ground, was still there. This was on my grandpa's property about 200 yards from the cabin. Of course, I don't know that any of this is true, But the depression was, and as far as I know, is still there, and that was the story we were all told. Of course, when I was a kid, my cousins, and I used to do very dumb and disrespectful things like go back to the site in the middle of the night and dare each other to lay down in it. I probably was about 10 years old when this happened in the early 90s. My dad swears he doesn't remember it, but my cousin I keep in touch with clearly also remembers it. We were sitting around the campfire, roasting hot dogs and marshmallows, talking, that type of thing. Obviously, there was no alcohol on my part as I was like 10, and my dad didn't drink. I remember my dad shushing everybody and my older cousins and my dad were talking about seeing somebody in the woods. My dad is telling everybody to be quiet, and he shines a flashlight into the woods. We don't see anybody. We go back to our business and one of my cousins shouts out there he is again. By shielding the light from the fire, you can see a wispy, grayish human figure walking through the woods slowly, like prowling like he's trying not to make any noise. He was walking from our left as if he came from behind the cabin and was crossing the wood line along our left, and then across the front of the yard just along the trees, but probably 50 yards or so from us, taking a wide turn to avoid us. Nobody said a word. My dad and one of my cousins both shined flashlights several times, but he would disappear. You could only see him in the dark and after your eyes adjusted. At some point he walked in the field of view where the fire was between us and him, and we never saw him again. The creepy part is the direction he was walking was towards the gravesite. We had never seen this before and never saw it again. I probably spent a week every summer at the camp until I was about 20. Family drama weirdness after my grandpa died kind of ruined the camp for us and I haven't been back. Needless to say, we didn't mess with the grave again after this. My family and I went on a trip to the Hocking Hills area of Southern Ohio a few weeks ago. There was a place that I always wanted to visit the abandoned Ghost Town Moonville Rail Tunnel. I have never been to this area, so I didn't know what to expect, but I did know it was pretty deep in the woods. We took a trip from our rented cabin using Google for GPS to the location. We start driving and it's, for lack of better words, real impoverished where we are driving or hills have eyes-esque. We literally only see a few cars on the way there and are on back roads. We get to a point where we need to enter into a forest, and we are close to the tunnel. There was a sign that said we were entering Bubbawood. For a little additional information, I drive a Mercedes that I am just lucky to have and have my husband in the car, a black man with dreadlocks, my ten-year-old non-verbal autistic son, and my six-year-old daughter. We drive down this real creepy stone road into the forest, and there is nothing back there, no houses, no cars, nobody we see signs that we are close and pull in the parking lot. There is a footbridge with a ton of on it that people put there. We walk over the footbridge and make our way toward the tunnel, which is a lot larger than I expected. We hear this sound coming from the other side of the tunnel that goes into the woods away from the parking lot. A truck comes driving through the tunnel toward us while we are on foot. He gets out of his truck with a chainsaw and it's a white guy in his 60s He walks with my entire family everywhere we go and through the tunnel. I tried to make small talk with him and pull some info about if he worked for the Department of Natural Resources, etc. He really wasn't budging. We turn around to walk out of the tunnel, and he starts using a chainsaw behind us, and the sound is just echoing through this tunnel. At this point, we have no cell phone service, and literally no one knows my family is out there except us. I was already worried my car was sending the wrong idea to people like we HV money or something we don't. We rush to the car to get the kids in their booster seats, and this MF comes driving over the footbridge in his truck towards us in the parking lot. I honestly don't even know how his truck fit on it. He stops again and gets out of his truck and starts walking the other direction, much to our relief. About this time, I notice there are dusty handprints on my car. I asked my husband if they were his, and we compared his hand and my son's, and they were not a match. I don't know who could have touched the car, because we were with the chainsaw man the entire time we were there. We get out of there as fast as possible. Just a few minutes later, I look in my rearview mirror, and there is a bunch of dust kicked up behind us, and there he is. He had to have driven pretty fast on the stone road to catch up to us like that. There is nowhere to go in this woods. The road is basically one lane, and we have no cell service or GPS. Every time I think we lose him, he is there again. I am waiting for my tires to get popped or something, or for this guy to ram me off the road into a ravine in the woods. Finally, we get out of this woods, and I turn out, and he's still following. We were following printed directions to get back, and I ended up making a wrong turn in the excitement. The guy in the truck was finally gone, and I turned around to go back past the stone road that goes into the forest. There is one lone house near this road, and there is his truck. Parked there. He had to have seen us drive onto this road into the woods and taken some back way to the tunnel. I don't know if he was just trying to protect the site from more graffiti or what, but he really creeped us out. It was like every scary movie trope rolled into one single event. When I was a child, my mother used to regale me with stories of her own mother who served as a park ranger. She spoke of the deep love her mother had for the job and it ignited a flame within me to follow in her footsteps. But as life would have it, my grandparents passed away, leaving me with the responsibility to watch over the park. Every day as I carry out my duties, memories of my mother's devotion to the park fill my mind. She excelled at her job pouring her heart and soul into its preservation. However, she often mentioned the strange occurrences she would hear in the trees, as if they held a secret language only the woods could decipher. Somehow, she considered it normal. As I grew older, I took up the mantle of Ranger, ensuring the park remained safe and protected. I always carry a special soda with me, finding solace in the familiarity and comfort it brings. My friends warned me against pursuing this job, recounting tales of resignations and a code of silence surrounding the things they witnessed. But despite their warnings, I felt drawn to this role. In 2019, I received a call to work the night shift during Christmas. My husband pleaded with me not to go, reminding me of our plans to celebrate together. But duty called, and I couldn't abandon my post. After all, how could we go out for a meal if I didn't work to put food on the table? I reassured him we would celebrate when I returned. On my way to the job, doubts began to creep into my mind. What if I encountered something dangerous? What if I got bitten and there was no one around to save me? At least I had my watch, a gift from the job to communicate with others. It offered a sense of security knowing that help was just a call away. Arriving at work, I was greeted by my best friend, who unbeknownst to me, was also on the same shift. She had been working double shifts, and exhaustion lined her face. She spoke of the strange noises she had heard near a nearby pond. All I wanted was to be home with my husband, but duty compelled me to carry on. As my friend clocked in for a break, I began my shift. Suddenly, I realized that I had misplaced my watch. Panic gripped me momentarily, but I remembered my friend's advice to stay posted. I decided to retrieve my soda from my vehicle instead. As I reached for my drink, a sinking feeling washed over me. I couldn't find it. I brushed it off, telling myself that this stage of the night would pass, and it would get better. Little did I know, the events about to unfold would shatter that illusion. The night grew darker and the park came alive with the sounds of an ongoing event. We patrolled diligently, ensuring everything ran smoothly. But then my friend received a call, instructing her to split and attend to a request on the other side of the park. She left, believing it was an order from our boss. I followed her, concerned for her safety. As I approached, I witnessed a horrifying sight. A creature leaped down from a tree, attacking my friend and dragging her into the pond. Desperation consumed me as I tried to intervene, but the creature's strength was overwhelming. It submerged into the water, leaving no trace behind. I knew my friend's fate was sealed. Frantic, I reached out to the dispatcher in the park, but my calls went unanswered. Using my watch, I contacted my boss, expressing my worry. He assured me that help was on the way. A rescue team was dispatched to locate my friend, Bonnie but their search yielded no results. The park had to be shut down, and the authorities were informed to ensure the safety of the public. The police acknowledged that something out of the ordinary had occurred, dragging Bonnie into the pond. Reviewing the footage, we discovered the eerie sounds she had mentioned. Despite this evidence, my boss dismissed her claims, chalking them up to insanity. But we knew she wasn't crazy, The weight of the tragedy settled upon us as we had to notify Bonnie's family of her untimely demise. It was the most heart-wrenching task I had ever faced. This Christmas, marred by sorrow and disbelief, was a reminder of the price we pay for dedicating our lives to protecting others. As I returned home, eager to share the events with my husband, he noticed the scratches on my arms and face. Without uttering a word, I broke down and revealed the truth that Bonnie was dead, and everything had to be closed down. Confronting her family was an indescribable pain I had never known. This was the first Christmas I spent working, and I despised every moment of it. The things I witnessed and the loss I endured had etched themselves deep within my soul. The park, once a place of joy and wonder, now harbored darkness and an unsettling presence that could never be forgotten. After Navy boot camp, I got put on hold and sent to the other side of the Great Lakes base where they were forced to open up, condemned or out of service barracks to stick me and six other Airedale buddies of mine in. We spent most of our time acting as first lieutenant or duty section leaders to prepare for the other Airedales that were to arrive from graduating boot camp divisions that would also be put on hold. The Pensacola base, which is where we would wind up going for a school, got torn up during Hurricane Irene. In these barracks, there was four different wings, two which we had opened up and brought back to life for newly graduated sailors to live in, and the other two were empty. Every night during our midnight six watch, we would see a light switch on in a room in the empty wing, and every night we would investigate it. We opened the door and no one would be in there but there would be a Bible opened up to a specific page on the empty bunk rack, and it would just scare the shit out of us. I also remember hearing about all sorts of sailors committing S over the years on that base, as well as the enlisted club and base movie theater being haunted as F. I can't explain this, but we were hunting 25 years ago and we found a white-tailed deer frozen into a river by his feet. Where it gets weird is this animal was cut in half. His rear end was missing, but it was how clean the cut was. It had looked like it was done with a band saw. Also, the animal had been gutted like it was cleaned out with an ice cream scoop. Completely cleaned. No blood trail, no guts. Just a half a deer frozen in the ice eyes wide open, missing its entire backside. I've got no explanation for this, and I really don't even want to think about this anymore as we still can't fathom what happened. My property is pretty old. We bought it from an old couple who gave up on it after a tornado destroyed the silos, barns, and a couple sheds. We've spent years fixing it back up, but only one of the barns got rebuilt. The other is still collapsed. The shed is worn down, and the door is blown out, which makes it always scary walking by a dark shed with an empty opening. The silo fell over and is next to the shed, which is across from the two barns. All of this was on my walk to a deer stand in furthest field in the back of my property. I was a freshman in college at the time and hunted until it went dark. I left the stand and started quietly walking back. I always had an eerie feeling walking by the torn down barns but at night it's always way worse. I forgot to mention there's an old well with a concrete slab on top of it, but the concrete siding had a hole. Always gave me the chills. As I was walking by the well and barns with everything super quiet, I all of a sudden jolted my eyes to the fence along the field by the shed. I had heard a chain whipping sound and faint, giddy laughter. When I looked up, I saw two men in prison gang garments, white and black striped suits, quickly galloping away from me, thank God, alongside the fence. Both were laughing and had chains on their hands and feet. I quickly fell to the ground and loaded my rifle in terror. I looked through my scope where I saw them running alongside last. It was the biggest field on our property, so they had another 100 yards to go alongside the fence before they hit the woods, but they were gone. I laid there searching for 10 long minutes before chalking it up to being sleep deprived from the morning hunt. I've never had experienced something so real, but I must have imagined it. Not hunting, but a wood story that changed my view of the world as a teenager. Up the street from my childhood house was a couple trails. I had a four wheeler and would ride the trails all day. One day I'm riding and I get this random horrible feeling so I stop and get off with the ATV and start walking up the trail. Well, some asshole put a piece of fishing line across the trail that would have easily took my head off. I'm guessing the pit feeling in my chest was being watched or I subconsciously noticed the fishing line. I have no idea why I stopped that day and it's baffled me ever since but it honestly changed my life forever. I was walking my dog a black and white pity or retriever mix outside before putting him to bed around 11 p.m. It's very dark as there is a lot of wooded areas around my apartment complex. I usually walk him about half a mile or so out from the complex to a stop sign and light post at the end of the street, which borders on the woods. Usually, there is nothing out of the ordinary, just woods and the normal animals like squirrels and the occasional deer. Sometimes there's that weird, heavy feeling like something is watching you intently. But I mostly ignore it, and we cut our walk short and head home since a brief scan of the area shows nothing is there. Tonight, there was that heavy, watched feeling again. But when I scanned the woods, there was something there. A dog with glowing yellow eyes that looked exactly like my dog, down to the heart-shaped white spot on his chest, standing just past the tree line, staring directly at us. It looked like it could be his twin, but there was just something off about it that invoked that feeling of run. My dog definitely saw it too and was whining and staring at it hard. Usually my dog is reactive to other large dogs, but he seemed more scared than anything else and wanted to get away, which is very abnormal behavior for him. After seeing it, I fought that run feeling and walked quickly but casually back into the gated area and home without looking back but listening very hard for anything coming behind or to the sides of us. Instinctively, it felt like the safe thing to do, I don't know why. It seemed like it didn't follow, but who knows. I do know that I will be skipping nighttime walks for a while, that's for sure. Any ideas on what that might have been? Google was not much help. We live in North Georgia at the base of the Appalachians, but I didn't grow up here, so I'm not sure of local folklore for the most part appreciate you reading this and sorry if the format is weird i'm on mobile the icy wilderness of alaska beckoned to us with its unforgiving beauty of pristine desolate landscape where only the hardiest of souls dared to venture we were a group of hunting friends bound not only by our shared love for the hunt but also by a deep-seated desire to conquer the challenge of hunting in the harshest of conditions. Little did we know that this expedition would push us to the brink of our endurance, pitting us against a supernatural force born of myth and terror. We set out well prepared, our gear and supplies carefully selected to withstand the biting cold of the Alaskan winter. Our rifles were oiled, our senses sharpened, and our spirits high. The snow crunched beneath our boots as we trekked into the heart of the wilderness, the very thought of the hunt fueling our determination. Yet, as the days passed and temperatures plummeted to bone-chilling lows, we soon realized that we were at the mercy of Mother Nature herself. Our supplies dwindled faster than expected, and the merciless cold gnawed at our spirits. It was as if the wilderness itself sought to test our resolve. Then came the first sign that something was amiss. It was a frigid night, the stars sparkling like diamonds in the Inkai sky, when we heard it a strange, echoing cry that pierced the stillness of the wilderness. It was a sound like nothing we had ever encountered, a mournful, otherworldly wail that sent shivers down our spines. We huddled together, our breath visible in the freezing air, trying to rationalize the source of the eerie sound. But as the nights wore on, the cries persisted, growing louder and more haunting with each passing night. We dared not speak of our growing unease, fearing that acknowledging our fear would give it more power. It was on a particularly dark and moonless night when the terror escalated. We were gathered around our campfire, the flames flickering in the biting cold when it happened. From the shadows emerged a creature unlike anything we had ever seen. It moved with an unnatural grace, its emaciated form and elongated limbs twisted in grotesque ways. Its eyes, devoid of humanity, gleamed with malevolence. A primal fear seized us, and we reacted without thinking. Without a word, we abandoned our camp, leaving behind our gear and supplies. We ran deep into the woods, fueled by sheer terror, the echoes of that nightmarish wail still ringing in our ears. We did not sleep a wink that night, our backs pressed against ancient trees, our eyes scanning the darkness for any sign of the creature. Our hearts pounded in our chests, and the bitter cold seeped into our very bones. With the first light of dawn, we made a silent pact to leave that accursed wilderness behind, to abandon our hunt and our supplies, and to retreat to the safety of civilization. We never spoke of our encounter with the Wendigo to anyone, not even to each other. It was a secret too horrifying to put into words, a terror that would forever haunt our dreams. The memory of those echoing cries in the Alaskan wilderness and the malevolent creature that pursued us would stay with us until our dying days, a tale of survival, unspeakable fear, and a decision to leave behind the unexplainable horrors that lurked in the frozen depths of the wild. I lived in a forested part of a coal-mining town where my grandfather built a log cabin. As a teenager, I didn't sleep much for whatever reason. Because of that, I would go for walks at night. Nothing too strange ever happened except an occasional whistling noise that I would only hear during my walks, not when I'm sitting on the deck or wandering the yard. I'm not sure if this is even related to the following event. One night, I was talking with my grandfather in his office about that unfamiliar sound. He usually always had an answer, but not this time. We joked around about its possible origins, and then I said, good night. My phone had been dead for a few hours at this point, but midway down the steps, it turned on and started playing Walking After Midnight by Patsy Cline, but only the I'm always walking after midnight searching for park before shutting off again. My phone has been dead for at least two hours at this point, and that was not the last song I was listening to. I tried turning it back on to see if maybe I was mistaken that it died, but it flashed the dead battery symbol for a moment before going black again. Then my grandfather, whose office is only a few feet from the steps, calls out another fun fact. Patsy Cline died in a plane crash on my birthday obviously i didn't go for a walk that night or at all until i got a dog if this story is interesting at all i have more that may or may not be connected to this event back when i was in grade school i had a memorable turkey hunting experience in the wilderness of missouri it was a crisp morning and i set out with my gear filled with anticipation for a successful hunt Little did I know that the events of that day would forever etch themselves in my memory. As I patiently waited in my concealed spot, hoping to catch a glimpse of a turkey, I noticed a sudden burst of movement in the distance. A deer darted through the underbrush, pursued closely by two energetic coonhounds. Startled, I watched as they disappeared into the wilderness, leaving me intrigued by their unexpected presence. A couple of minutes passed, and to my surprise, a solid black figure emerged from the shadows, following the path of the deer and hounds. Assuming it was another dog, I thought nothing of it and continued to wait for my chance at a turkey. However, as time ticked by, an inexplicable sensation washed over me, tingling the hairs on the back of my neck. Something felt off. Instinctively, I turned around, a shiver of unease running down my spine. And there it was, a mere ten yards away, Steadily advancing towards me, utter silence enveloping its presence. The sight before me was striking an ebony creature with piercing eyes, making its way towards me with an uncanny grace. Its movements were fluid, and the absence of sound intensified the eerie encounter. I stood there, frozen in awe and confusion, unsure of what lay before me. In that fleeting moment, the black enigma altered its course, as if startled by my sudden awareness. With a quick change of direction its tail dropped to the ground forming a slight curl a telltale sign of feline instincts it was a sight that i would forever remember a black crawler a creature whose existence was often denied by the conservation authorities at the time despite numerous reported sightings in retrospect i speculated that the majestic predator must have been drawn to the motion of my decoy as i walked through the brush Perhaps it perceived the decoy as potential prey, silently stalking its simulated target. But my inadvertent turn had disrupted its plan, causing it to retreat into the wilderness, leaving me both relieved and intrigued by the encounter. My old neighbor, who committed shortly after his experience, came to me with his experience. We were both registered Maine guides hunting, fishing, recreation. Guiding in Maine is a serious business. The criteria are strict and guides are expert woodsmen with years of outdoors experience. Anyway, he confided in me about this sighting. He was hunting his own property during deer season of 2011. The property is located on the Jefferson Washington town lines, which are also the Knox Lincoln County lines in Maine. The particular property is a Christmas tree farm and is private property. My friend was watching a run where deer regularly traveled, cutting through his property. He observed for about a minute a bipedal creature walking with its upper body well above his Christmas trees. It had a wolf's head, was muscular and covered in hair, but walking like a man. At the end of the sighting, the creature dropped to all fours and took off down the run. He was shaking when he told me the story, and based upon my few years working in law enforcement, I don't believe he was lying. Both of us guided for bear hunters at the time, and I know he was very familiar with bears and Maine wildlife in general. He made a particular emphasis on the pointed ears. He said it looked like a werewolf. In Maine, people do see these things and generally call them wendigo. After that sighting, I carried a firearm going to my barn at night. I am certain that he told me the truth. Unfortunately, he for some reason committed shortly after he told me about the sighting, which was very fresh at the time. The area has some large tracts of woods with very limited access due to private property. There is a stream passing through the area and some high ridges. Also, old cellar holes and stone walls are scattered throughout the forest behind the property. Food sources are plentiful in the area, with old apple trees, berry patches, deer, turkey, snowshoe hares. Bears are present in the area, but not in huge numbers. Moose are also present, but again, not in huge numbers. While I still own a house very near the spot, I have moved to South Dakota and have no intention of moving back to Maine due to political economic reasons. I am curious if other Maine folks have seen these things. It seems to me that people have, but always in hushed conversations about an uncle. I'm from the Netherlands and this happened to me. I hope someone can help me out because it has been haunting me for years now. When I was younger, I always had this feeling someone was standing behind me, and I saw black shadows every morning. I stopped seeing them and moved on until this happened. One night I saw this figure in the middle of my room against the wall. It was very tall, like nine feet or something. Very skinny, like you could see his ribs and spine had gray, blackish skin. It had big black eyes and a lurking smile with sharp teeth. It had very long limbs, arms, legs, feet, hands. I remember it had a chain around its neck and it had little horns. It was very slow at that time i was in an abusive relationship and i was very depressed it seemed to haunt me every time i got into a new relationship if i brought my girlfriend home my behavior changed i got grumpy and irritated and if she gave me love i got terrified my whole body started to shake and talking was hard when we broke up everything was fine again and i could leave it behind after years i started dating again But the minute I brought someone home, it was like, nope, this doesn't feel right. And I got this overwhelming feeling again, even with friends sometimes. I tried to block this whole thing, but it's only possible if I stay alone. My sister saw it standing on the stairs to my room one day. She described it the same as how I saw it that one time, but it didn't do anything. She said it just stood there. After a while, I met this girl. She said she was spiritual and locked it in a spell jar after I got a panic attack again. We broke up and it felt like something was missing. I saw the jar and immediately opened it. What could this be? That one time was the only time I saw it, but I feel his presence now and then. It's like I could imagine it next to me. I just hope someone can help. I'm not scared of it anymore because it's harmless so far as I know. It's just still in my mind. I had multiple theories about what it could be, like a lost soul or something. Weirdly, it is quiet now. I do have a girlfriend at the moment. Sometimes I thought it was protecting me, if that makes sense. My exes were very abusive and manipulative. My girlfriend now is very supportive, and it's just a healthy relationship, and it is quiet. Other commenters describe their own experiences. Pretty much the same thing happened to me. Ditto on the toxic relationship at the time, and pretty sure it was during one of my lowest points, depression-wise. The only thing is this humanoid had a Homburg-type hat on, and a long cape. It was standing over me during a sleep paralysis event, and had both of its hands hovering over my chest like it was both trying to keep me from moving, and also like stealing my soul. The figure's fingers were extremely long, pale, And with sharp tips reminiscent of the pale man from Pan's Labyrinth, didn't really notice nails though, just pointy and long fingers. When I was finally able to move the thing, just dissipated into the ceiling. Literally felt like a demon feeding off low vibrational fearful frequencies. The next comment. I have seen something similar where I grew up. The countryside in Denmark. A tall figure, about two meters tall or more. Long, skinny arms and legs. It didn't do anything, just stared at my buddy and me. A couple of weeks later, my sister and her boyfriend saw the same thing, not far from where I saw it. They were taking our dog for an evening walk, and suddenly it appeared about 30 meters from them, again just staring. The dog began to whimper and flee with the tail between its legs, then ran home and locked the doors. About a week later, we found a dead deer on our farm. The abdomen was torn, ripped open, and the guts were all over the place. The biggest predators we have in this part of the country are foxes and badgers, and I don't think they can attack and do that to an adult deer. Shortly after, my whole family moved. Some to another farm, others to a semi-large town. I am living in the town now, but I swear, sometimes I still see it in the dark. got stalked by a mountain lion on a hike. It was late at night, we're in a group of about five, and didn't have enough flashlights to go around, so we gave one to the person in front and one to me in back. I felt like I was being watched, and so I real quick flashed the light around and turned my head, saw a pair of green eyes attached to a body slink back off the trail a little bit. Our light wasn't powerful enough to get a super good bead on it, but every 30 seconds or so thereafter, I would turn around and flash the light up the trail, probably saw something about 75% of my turnarounds. It followed us for probably half hour until we were 10 minutes from the cars. The people I was hiking with didn't notice, and mountain lions don't often jump large groups of adults, but I wasn't really about, statistically, we're probably fine at that point no one else noticed, and I didn't say a word while it was following us really didn't want to run the risk of a panic. I'll never forget the story my co-worker shared with me about their encounter in a remote forest in Canada. It was during their bird surveying expedition when they stumbled upon something that sent shivers down their spine. The memory of their experience has haunted me ever since. As they ventured deeper into the forest, following the sounds of chirping birds, my co-worker came across an abandoned campsite. It appeared to have been left untouched for several years, probably around five to 10 years. The tent had collapsed, worn down by time and the elements, but the rest of the campsite seemed eerily intact. A clothesline stretched between two trees, swaying gently in the breeze. Dishes lay scattered on the ground covered in a thick layer of dirt and fallen leaves. Other miscellaneous items were strewn about, hinting at the presence of past campers. It was as if time had stopped in this forgotten corner of the forest. My co-workers' initial curiosity quickly turned into a sense of unease. There was an eerie silence surrounding the campsite, broken only by the rustling of leaves under their feet. Despite the absence of any apparent danger or signs of foul play, An unexplainable feeling of dread washed over them. With an instinctive sense of self-preservation, my co-worker decided to abandon any further exploration of the campsite. They made a swift exit, not daring to peek inside the collapsed tent. The mystery of what had transpired in that desolate campsite was left unsolved, buried beneath layers of nature's disguise. To this day, I find myself unable to shake the morbid curiosity that grips me whenever I think about that campsite. What had happened there? Why was everything left untouched? What had driven my co-worker to hastily retreat without investigating further? It's a chilling reminder that there are countless untold stories hidden within the depths of our world. Sometimes it's better to let those mysteries lie undisturbed, preserving their enigmatic allure. But the haunting curiosity lingers, forever tugging at the edges of my mind, begging for answers that may never be found. Let's start off with my granddaughter, Anna, who is a toddler with sensitive abilities. I understand if it seems unbelievable, but it is basically being more tuned to unnatural occurrences. I am also sensitive. A began not wanting to be in her room from about one month of age. This has severely escalated. She has been waking up anywhere from 2, 3 a.m. each night, screaming as if she is terrified and will not go back to sleep until 8, 9 a.m. Her parents cannot put her back in her room. She is so terrified. They take her to the main level and attempt to get her back to sleep. When I was watching her about a month ago, I was changing her diaper in her room. She kept looking at the closet door, terrified, and was pointing and trying to tell me something. This has continued. I started to wonder if the old woman who died in this condo may still be around. A little background on her, she was the only woman who died in that home and had a gay son, so she had no grandchildren. I dealt with this myself as a toddler. I had a woman who came out of the closet and stood by my crib, and I know I wasn't the only one to have seen her. I am not sensing anything abnormal or paranormal. I decided to invite the old woman to move on, if it was her. I reassured her that the home and its members in it were taking good care of the home and the adults and the baby. I did this three weeks ago after baby A showed up with superficial scratches. They were on the inside of her arm and looked like a bird's foot. There was a point with three lines fanning from it. I questioned my daughter, and she did not know how she got it she later had the same scratch marks on the side of her neck a only slept through the first three nights after I invited the old lady to move on well let me say all hell has broke loose since I invited the old lady to move on I had a horrible nightmare that involved someone from beneath the earth's surface grabbing my lower legs and attempting to pull me under the surface I woke up terrified my husband asked me how I got the horrible bruises on my lower legs I looked behind my legs. It looked like someone grabbed them. There were finger bruising and other bruises. It weirded me out. I appeared with some odd scratches inside my arms. Then my daughter, then Anna, with a perfectly straight superficial scratch between her eyebrows. As if that weren't bad enough, my other daughter, the youngest, now has started getting bruises. She and I live in the same house, and my other daughter with Anna lives across town. This last weekend, my daughter showed up with the same bruising on her lower legs. I again asked the old lady to move on. Maybe not my best move. They started having issues with their hot water heater not working. After a plumber and electrician did some digging, they discovered the breaker was flipped not only inside, but also outside of the box for the whole condo complex. Nobody in that condo unit touched it, and nobody can just walk into my daughter's complex. They had the electric company out three times within 12 hours. Well, my daughter took on replacing the upper and lower heating elements with no results. The plumber came out yesterday and thought it was the upper and lower thermostat. He replaced them and still nothing. He thought it was the breakers. The electrician came out and discovered it was not the breakers, but frayed and arching wires that were no longer grounded. He could see there were charred marks on top of the hot water heater. The location of this is under the stairs to the second level, the only interior second floor escape. I discovered there was only one smoke detector on the upper level, located in the hall. The HW heater is under the doorway of Anna Room, basically at the landing at the top of the stairs. Her parents would not have been able to reach her safely the electrician and we are questioning how the electrical wires could have become burned. I now am worried that we are not dealing with the old lady, but maybe something else. We are now having stuff happening at both homes. I reside in Southern Appalachia, nestled next to the scenic Pisgah and Dupont forests. In this picturesque region, I have become acquainted with a rather intriguing phenomenon. It's not something I can easily explain, but I often catch glimpses of shadow-like beings with dark faces. They stand about five and a half to six feet tall, peering around from behind trees. These sightings have become a regular occurrence in my life. At first, I attributed these encounters to the paranormal, as I can never seem to find them once they retreat behind the protective veil of foliage. Every day, without fail, I spot at least three of these enigmatic figures. It's frustrating that I have never managed to capture a photograph in time, as they swiftly vanish from view. It's as if they possess a supernatural ability to conceal themselves. Curiously, after briefly revealing themselves to me, they occasionally peek back out from behind the tree to check if I have moved on. Despite their elusive nature, I have never felt threatened by their presence. We seem to coexist in a state of peaceful indifference. I go about my daily activities, paying them no mind, and they reciprocate by showing no signs of aggression or harm. I share this story in the hopes that someone may shed light on the nature of these mysterious beings. Perhaps there are others who have encountered similar phenomena or possess knowledge that can help unravel this enigma. If not, that's perfectly all right. Maybe someone will find amusement or intrigue in my account. After all, it's the peculiar mysteries that add flavor to our lives and spark the imagination. Air Force former active duty and current reservist here. I was deployed to Incirlika B, Turkey recently back in October 2016. I worked the overnight shift, so on my day off, I would typically go to the bowling alley, USO, do laundry late at night. Basically just find things to stay awake as long as I could so I didn't mess up my sleep schedule. Sometimes they would cut power to the entire base around one two a.m. We never got a warning when it would happen, but everyone was used to it and it would come back up around five, 10 minutes later. One night on my day off, I was out by our tins, basically the shitty trailers that we stay in, where they pack like eight airmen to a room meant for two. I think maybe I was trying to call my wife or just outside doing nothing, killing time. All of the sudden, the power goes out completely. It's around 2 a.m. No street lights, no lights coming from buildings. It is pitch black on the entire base. I figure after 5-10 minutes it would come back, so I'm waiting. After about five minutes, I hear security forces' military police vehicles with their sirens racing up and down the streets. Still, I'm like, okay, maybe an exercise or coincidence or something. Twenty more minutes go by, still pitch black, a steady flurry of police cars still zooming up and down the streets. My buddy and co-worker comes out of his tent, telling me that a few of his roommates are security forces and their radios were going off with calls and that they had awoken and thrown on their uniforms and left the room. Keep in mind, this is only a few months after the coup happened, so everyone was on high alert and suspicion, and many of the people there at the time, not me, were present for the coup. So to keep with the story, me and my buddy are standing outside in the pitch black of night, police cruisers racing up and down the street, and it's now been an hour. We were worried the base may be under attack. Sirlika B is near Adana, Turkey, less than 100 miles from Aleppo and the Syrian border, and ISIS is obviously a big threat. Beyond that, we thought it could be another coup attempt by the Turkish people. So finally, after about two hours of standing outside, unable to see anything, power finally comes back. We never got word about why that happened, or why the police cruisers were racing up and down the base. Could have been a power test slash routine shutdown gone bad. Could have been a coincidence with police cars. Who knows? We never found out what happened or why. During the last round of mutual F between Israel and Gaza, we took hold of a house in a city in the north of the Gaza Strip. One day we see a light gray, nearly white donkey with a foal coming towards us. After a quick discussion with the commanders, it was decided that we should open fire in fear that Hamas might have planted a bomb in the donkey's stomach. So we shoot, pretty sure we hit it a few times, and they both ran away and did not return. So far, not that weird right. When we were done in that hellhole and I came back home, I talked to my friend from another unit and casually brought the donkey story up. He said they had the exact same experience, down to the color of the donkey, Checked up with friends from various units, sure enough, nearly everyone had the same experience, even ones that were much farther away.